Welcome back, everyone, to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. It is your girl, LA. I am your Six Figure Social Worker, and I am excited. Today, I want us to have a conversation. So stay tuned and let's talk. Okay, family, I am back. Listen, you don't know how many times I tried to record this episode during this time. I said, wait, I have to pause to let my people know that we are still here. I'm still, you know, um, here to motivate, to encourage you, to share some of my experiences with you so you can continue to be inspired as a social worker. So I was asking, I said, well, my people going to think, well, maybe she's no longer a six-figure social worker. (laughs) That's why she's no longer making the podcast. But listen, you guys, I am still here. I am still um, doing my thing, right? And so, so much has happened. So we went from COVID, so COVID-19, and um, my clientele spiked up during this time. So I began to do more telehealth um, therapy and um, individuals who wanted to come into the office. I tried to make arrangements so that can happen. So yes, I am still here, you guys, still providing the services that we have committed to providing. So now that I've used that word committed, now that it's jumped out, now we have another pandemic, you guys. Now we have another population that has been, right, vastly affected by this um, this virus of racism. Yes, this virus of racism. And so as social workers, right, we've committed to social justice, to standing up and fighting for just social justice equal rights for all people. If that's not what you committed to, then you have to really go back and ask yourself, what am I doing? Am I in a position of harm or am am I in a position where I can help? Because if you only have a desire to help certain people, right? Only maybe straight people or only gay people or only white people or only black people, then it, it goes really against at least my belief of what a social worker really stands for. So I know when I read in the book, I didn't see that we would stand for, you know, and advocate for social justice for um, a certain population. I thought I read that we would stand for social justice for everybody. Now listen, depending on who's talking or who's teaching, you may get some of their own biases along with their teaching. So you have to be careful with that because if someone is teaching, but they still have some prejudice or they still have some racist um, beliefs, then the social work core values is going to be tainted by their own personal um, value. And I want you to really pay attention to that. And so what is happening right now, you guys, have been um, a cry from Black America forever forever. And what is what I'm loving about this time is that when I turn on the television, I see more um, non-blacks that's actually 
protesting and in disgust of what we all witnessed with the George Floyd um, case. And sometimes it takes that. The thing, I, I hate that this young man had to be the sacrifice for America to open up their eyes. I do. I hate that his family has to be counted in that number of unarmed black men um, losing their lives by the hands of um, police officers. I do. I hate that. But the beauty of it, from my standpoint, is that America has been shaken at its core. It's individuals who may not feel that they're racist, right? But they have turned a deaf ear or turned or closed their eyes to um, what Black America have been saying for so many years. But this time, with the COVID and everybody being, you know, or the majority of us being stuck in, a home, in our homes or working from home, it was like we could not turn our head. And I'm loving the younger generation that's crying out and sparing not. They're standing for social justice, and I'm loving it. And I encourage those of you who are um, in the background, because I know all of us have our position, right? But I encourage us to not discourage those who are standing up in the front lines to make a change. I want to repeat that. I encourage those of us who may be in the background, right? Who may be concerned, but you just haven't went to a protest or you just haven't, you know, really allowed your voice to be heard. Um, I want to encourage you not to get in the way, not to try to silence the mouths of those who are speaking loud to stop, not allow your own biases, your own fears to stop. Because listen, change has to occur. And as social workers, if we are not fighting for change in systems, then it really doesn't matter the change that takes place in individual lives. Because even when they're ready for employment, now you have the blockers the systematic racism or the systemic racism that's in place. So we have to make sure that we're not only, you know, um, in a position to help change individuals, but we're also understanding that our position as it relates to changing systems, changing access to, and, um, to resources. We have to understand our role during this time. This is not a time, you guys, to hold on to what Mama Nim said to hold on what, you know, um, somebody else said who um, may not have experienced what you've experienced. As a prof adjunct professor at a university, I've taught um, students who have never been in a classroom with a minority. And so here it is, just imagine the shock when they come into my classroom and realize that I'm a black woman. Just imagine a shock, you know, and the, the shaking that must take place when I'm teaching and it's going against everything that their grandmothers or their parents may have taught them or what they may have been exposed to. Just imagine. 
And so I know that I'm doing my part. I know that I'm playing my role. And this is a part of it. Really to make sure I take the time to get on this podcast, to share from my heart. You know, on some some occasions I will have, you know, guests that comes on and share their experience. And let me tell you this, you guys, during this time, during this time, because some of my social workers are in positions where they're underpaid and overworked. Some of my social workers are in position where they're they're not appreciated. And I want to say to you, during this time, the reason why I believe I was able to really maximize this time is because the services that I provide have proven to be effective. This is what I need you guys to understand when we're talking about six-figure social worker podcast, right? When we're talking about becoming a six-figure social worker, first of all, you have to recognize that the services that you provide is worth six figures, right? Like, you have to recognize that you're literally changing lives and ultimately generations. You have to understand and recognize your value, your worth. You have to understand that. If you're sitting around waiting on someone else to value you, then it's going to be a hard and lonely road. I did not get to this point because I waited for someone else to value me or recognize my worth. I got to this point because I recognized it. And I and and it wasn't that I recognized that I need to get paid more. It was more I recognized what I'm bringing to the table. And you're not just going to give me pennies. I recognize that, you know, uh, my heart is for the betterment of people. I recognize that. And so if you can get paid, you know, $30 an hour for shuffling papers, surely I should be able to get paid $30 an hour for shuffling or handling humans. Come on, people. Come on. We have to really look at this. Look at how we're valuing human life. See, all of this is um, is related. Look how we're valuing human life. Do you know that if an officer would have been on the neck of an animal, the outcry that would have taken place? Do you realize what, what black America have been saying for 400 years? I need y'all to really look at this. Look at this. So I'm saying to you, and I'm sharing with individuals, listen, I don't tell my black son to um, feel inferior to others. I teach him to respect all humans and to treat other people how he want to be treated. This is my experience as a student at a university. I'm sitting in class, sign language class, had absolutely nothing to do. We weren't even supposed to be talking in this class. I'm in sign language class, Day one, day two, day three, the professor says, white people have power over blacks. I didn't say anything because I'm not, you know, one that really takes thing, per, things personal, right? And so um, I figured, you know, people have motives for why they're saying it, right? Why they say or do what they do. So then the next day came and the professor said, 
white people have power over blacks. Now, let me just say this. I'm the only black in the class and I'm the only female in the class. And so I'm like, okay, I'm not saying anything because number one, you're not talking to me. So I come home and I'm contemplating. I said, well, if he say it again, then I'm just going to ask him, but have he been saying this continuously because he's expecting or waiting on me to respond? Lo and behold, I go to the classroom again, and this professor makes the same statement. White people have power over blacks. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just repeating exactly what this professor said. So I said, since now I feel you calling for me, I said, so are you saying this young man right here have power over me? The professor kind of chuckled and said, well, no, of course, you probably can pick him up or knock him out. I'm just saying overall, because the president is white and this, and he went through this whole, you know, scenario, right? So I heard that from a professor, which lets me know what, um, and I'm, what, I'm going to just say white America is teaching their children, right? Now, I'm, I'm using this blanketly, right, because I understand that it may not be all white, so please don't send me hate mail and all that stuff. But what I am saying is from that experience, I recognize that we were teaching our children different things, right? Because then I would go over and I would talk to a black mother and or I would look on the news and I would hear individuals saying, well, you need to tell your son how they need to hold their hands when they're pulled over by the police. They need to hold their hands like this. They need to hold. And I'm like, wow, okay, so this officer have been raised to believe he has power over blacks. This black person is being raised to, you know, just obey and follow whatever orders, right? So now you have two individuals, and I get it, right? You saying, yeah, we should um, follow the law and follow the orders of a police officer. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the different messages that's taking place. Because now, not only do you have a police officer who's already um, in an authority position, but now you have a human who have already been made to believe that he has power over another human dressed in this police outfit. See, I'm dealing with humans. I'm not really dealing with um, um, titles. I'm dealing with human beings who have made vows to be, to, um, be a part of a certain um, career. So whether that's social workers, whether it's police officers, you know, whether it's nurses or whatever, I'm still saying that underneath that suit, underneath that title, it's still a human being that have been taught something. They have been taught something that's embedded in them. And that's what we have to really address. So let's not get it twisted. It's not blacks against the police. No, it's blacks against injustice. And it should be not just blacks against injustice. It should be whites against injustice. It should be Hispanics against injustice. It should be males and females against injustice but see a lot of times because we don't want to face the reality of what's going on we tend to um look at it through narrow lenses so no i don't believe we should be telling our sons how to appropriately not get killed by a police officer who have made a vow to protect and serve no i don't believe that
I believe that we should stop wasting time trying to teach our sons how to live and obey a police officer and try and start teaching our the police officers how to communicate and respond to someone that doesn't look like them. That's where the energy lies. Because we've seen countless individuals who had their hands up and they still were shot and killed. Not just shot, but shot and killed. So social workers, listen. I know that there's some of you who are in the social work field and you may be black, right? But And then you may have a family member or a loved one that's a police officer. I'm saying to you, it should not be a, 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 what you call it, it should not be a, um, a struggle for you to stand for what's right. It should not be a struggle because all we're saying, nobody is saying that they hate police officers. What they're saying is they're, they hate racist, and I don't even like to use the word hate. What they're saying is something has to be done to racist police officers. Something has to be done to protect a culture or a people that have been unprotected for so many years. That's all they're saying. And if you are a black social worker married or in a relationship of any kind with a police officer, black or white, it should be a question or a dialogue in the home why y'all can't agree on that one simple thing. Why can't we agree? on treating individuals like we want to be treated. Why can't we agree to treat human beings the same way that we expect human beings to treat us, no matter the color of their skin? No matter. So that's the dialogue. So it shouldn't be, a you know, no turmoil going on. And so I encourage all of you social workers, those of you who will be listening to this podcast, yes, your girl LA is in in full effect. I'm still your six-figure social worker, but listen to this. Listen to this and hear me clearly. If I never make another dime, you will find me standing for justice for all people. That's where you will find me. You won't find me with tape over my mouth in fear of saying something because of the man paying me. No, no, that won't happen. You won't find me there. You will find me crying out and sparing not. Whether it's your son, my son, or my neighbor's son, it doesn't matter. Whether it's your daughter, my daughter, or my neighbor's daughter, I stand for justice for all. For all, for all. We have a system in place. Okay, you break the law. Yes, that, that goes without saying. We're not, I'm not even gonna focus on that. That goes without saying. What I'm talking about now is what we vow, what we committed to do as social workers and how we may need to go back and really assess our own self in any intrinsic biases that we may have. That's what this is about. So I encourage each one of you to make a stand. Because I read a sign that says, silence is the same as acceptance. 
I read it. I'm telling you, I read it. Believe it or not, silence is the same as acceptance. So let's stand united. Let's stand, let's stand tall. Let's stand so we can make sure that freedom and justice reigns for all. It's your girl, LA, your six-figure social worker pod, ah, podcast. Thank you for listening. I am excited and I am hopeful about a better future. We're not making America great. We're making America better. <laughs>